Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. In this episode, I have two of my business school classmates, Sam Sliman and Brad Graff. They are looking to do the Drakensberg Traverse. It is a 200-kilometer trail that goes in South Africa on the Lesotho border, stars at Sentinel Peak, and it's quite an adventure. I did it with Sim Blanchard, who's been on the show a few times, and it is an amazing trail, and they have a bunch of questions for me about the trail, and I thought anybody else who's thinking about doing the trail might want to check it out. This episode is sponsored by my patrons at patreon.com slash ftapon. I hope you go there and get rewards for as little as two bucks a month. Now, enjoy this wonderful episode with Sam and Brad. Welcome to the Wonder Learn Show. This is my... Francis Tapon. I'm here with Brad Graff and Sam Sliman. These are both guys that I went to business school with, but we're not going to talk about charts or financial stuff or cash flow or derivative markets. We're going to talk about our favorite subject, hiking. So uh, these guys are not chumps, by the way. Uh, Brad and Sam have actually hiked quite a bit since business school. Tell us about some of the highlights of some of the things you've done together. Well, we've done them once a year since about 2015. And I will say that was my first backpacking trip I think we did together. <laughs> and kind of our, our rule of thumb is it's, it's better to have, I don't know if it's better, but we have a lot of good gear. We didn't really know what we were doing and we kind of figured that part out. But we did uh, we did the snow mass or no, maroon bells in um, uh, Colorado. And uh, what's the, the O the, in Patagonia? Sammy. Torres del Paine. Torres del Paine, you did that thing. And uh, Lagerberger, <laughs> Iceland, Iceland. Iceland the, the famous hike. Anyway, we've kind of got, gotten around, done some stuff in New Zealand. So we kind of like to get out for about a week and do some pretty crazy things. Didn't you guys, were, weren't you thinking about going to the Wind River Range in Wyoming? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we did, did that. River, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> See, I know is... your resume more than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a section of the, the PCT yep. one year, and um, last year we did Sweden. Which uh, section of the PCT? Yeah, that was in Washington. We did it from the Oregon uh, border uh, just to south of uh, Mount Rainier. Oh, that's spectacular. That's yeah, spectacular. it was during the... Uh, the wildfires and they kind of caught up with us. We had to bail out a day early. Yeah, no, that's quite common nowadays, unfortunately. You're planning for your next big adventure, and this time is the Drakensberg Traverse in South Africa, and it kind of goes along the Lesotho border. Uh, why did you pick this, and when are you planning to go? We have a very sophisticated selection process <laughs> that <laughs> Brad sort of pioneered. And it involved a, what, a, like a 40-year-old book of the greatest hikes in the world. And spreadsheets. It's, well, that's <laughs> we, we are MBAs after all. That's right. <laughs> I can't, can't leave Excel. <laughs> in your blood. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's on our list. We have like 40 hikes start, that we found started with this book. It's literally 40 years old, like some, some dude wrote. But yeah, we've, we've uh, added it and we have like, it's by continent. So we have like these like future cool hikes we want to do. And we keep looking at the Drakensberg and like, it looks cool, but then we do some 
online re reviews and there's just enough little nuances that make it like, Ed, do we want to do this? Is it, is it safe? Is it the right time of year? Is it, you know, is there actually a route or do we have to figure stuff out? And, you know, are we going to get eaten? You know, we're always worried about bears. So, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there are worse things to worry about in Africa. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. So let me answer the, the, the number one question. The number one thing that does distinguish this route from other long distance trails um, that you might be considering. And unfortunately, it is indeed the safety issue and not so much from wild, wildlife or weather or that kind of stuff. It's mainly because I've heard of too many incidents of foreigners getting attacked on the Drakensberg Traverse, um, getting uh, nobody's I don't as far as I know, been killed. Uh, the worst thing that can happen to you is that they rob you of all your gear and that kind of stuff. But it has happened a bit too often for my taste. Now, let's put that in perspective. I don't know the statistics, but it's just to put it into perspective. Let's say if you're going to hike the Appalachian Trail, there's probably a one in a thousand chance that you're going to get completely uh, you know, stolen and everything taken away from you. On the Drakensberg Traverse, it's probably one in a hundred chance. And so obviously 10 times more dangerous. But on the other hand, if you look at the odds, it's still highly unlikely that anything bad is going to happen to you. I went there with one guy. He was 63 or 65 or so at the time. And I was, I guess, 47 or something like that, 48. Um, and we did meet a lot of herders. And you certainly will on the Drakensberg Traverse. These guys are Africans who have their all their herds. Uh, in other words, usually um, cows as well as goats that are running around, that's their natural environment. That's where they are. And all the exchanges were utterly peaceful, super friendly. I never felt once threatened, no even hint of that. And we slept outside every night and in the wild. All that was good, no problems. But of course, we're just one data point. And my message to you is that fortunately, there's a lot of other data points and they haven't had problems. So I think you guys won't have a problems, but something just to be aware of and to come up with a plan of like, what will you guys do in the case of somebody threatening you in one way or another. Any suggestions? Yeah. <laughs> Let's say you're, you're, you're left down to your underwear or whatever it is. Somehow you have to have a way to like get back to civilization, which is easy. You just walk downhill and then eventually be able to have either a spare credit card or ATM card somewhere else that you can get access to, or somebody can wire you money or something like that. That I'm just thinking that would be, my main thing, obviously not put up a fright. Don't bring a gun. Have you ever had any situation like that, Francis, in all of your travels? Yeah, I walked across Madagascar from north to south and along the way um, near the northern part of it during the it was a four month trip. And in the first month or so, there was a situation where I was there with my wife and Sim. Sim was the same guy who went the Drakensberg Traverse with me. Rejoice, she wanted to wash herself up. And so I said, okay, here's a stream. And then I'll just get ahead of you a little bit. And so I went ahead, and Sim was even ahead of me. So we all went ahead and it was the morning. And then she started yelling out my name after she was done. And I guess I was too far ahead because I didn't hear her. And that probably attracted the attention of these two men who were up in the bushes, you know, like high up probably. And they probably heard her screaming from loud and they came down and realized she's a foreigner. And they told her, you know, take off your backpack. And then they started grabbing her shirt and they said, you know, and then she said, whoa, whoa, hold on. I'll, let me just give you my jacket. Uh, and they left her down to her bra. They didn't sexually assault her in any way or even try to. Um, they did have a machete, 
and she luckily had just before, after she took her shower, she had moved uh, money that she had in her backpack into her money belt. And so all, and luckily they didn't, she had like $2,000 in cash um, in her money belt. And luckily they didn't grab the money belt or notice that she had one. They didn't ask her to strip down, take off her pants. Uh, They were both young guys in their early 20s, as you might expect. And uh, of course I was stunned when I saw her, you know, 20 minutes later and all of a sudden she's walking Mm. with just a bra on and her, her pants and no backpack. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, so that, that was, that was probably the worst incident and same also in Madagascar, my buddy, Sim, he went hiking alone and he was on a beach one day and kind of went and he was realizing he was a little bit off trail. So he decided to like come back in and this guy came out of nowhere and just punched him in. Well, he didn't come out of nowhere. He kind of started talking to him a little bit and then suddenly just punched him in the face and just said, give me your money. Um, and Sim just decided to give him the money. And then the guy went away. Those are two incidents. Aside from that, I can't really think of any other incident where I had any kind of problem. Certainly not on the Drakensberg Traverse. You are well-traveled. And to only have those two incidents uh, out of all the t- the hiking that you've done, is that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hiking, I think, is much more safe than hike, you know, than walking around Chicago at night in certain neighborhoods, for example. Right. You know, right. so... Right. I think uh, so in general, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fear monger. And so, but that, anyway, that's the key distinguishing thing about the Drakensberg Traverse. I would just think a little bit differently, have a safety plan uh, available. Don't leave your, that's another thing. Don't walk, you know, stand side by side. Two people are a lot harder to mug and, and to, right. to take over than just if you're kind of spread out. So that's another uh, precaution I would take. Also, um, I would not camp early. Um, I would wait until right at dusk and then camp. You might not even want to make a fire because all these things will attract attention um, mm. And, mm. And, and somebody at night. So that's, that's always been my practice. I don't make fires, but I realize it's a big deal for a lot of campers and you guys probably like it. And I understand that. Anyway, it's just, these are just ways to like be stealthy. Just keep walking right until sunset. Then you set up camp and then just go to sleep. And then right. that, as opposed to setting up a camp when you still have three hours of daylight left and people will see you and then may decide to come back and pay you a visit. Oh, right. there was a time in Gabon. There was uh, a, a shotgun went off right by my head. <laughs> I was sleeping in the dead of the night and I just like opened up my, you know, I came out of my tent. I was like, excuse me, what, like, what is your problem? And they're like, oh, we thought you were a poacher for elephant, elephant poacher. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, no, I'm not here to poach. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they want to scare me. They want to scare me and to, to like, because they thought I was a, an armed poacher. And so they, they just blasted a shotgun right next to me. And I was like, that woke me up. That'll and, wake you up. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, there's, there's three guys there, obviously with a gun. And I just talked to them in French and <clears throat> I just said, dude, I'm cool. No problem. Uh, have a nice day. And, and <laughs> they went away. So, um, hey Francis, how about, um, as far as time of year, we're, we're kind of penciling in September ish, but we have some flexibility. Um, when did you go and what, uh, comments do you have on time of year? It probably was in the fall, their fall. And that's when I would go. I'd go either the fall or the spring in general. Um, avoid the summer so it's not so hot. And the, the winter, you got these short nights and really cold temperatures. So I would go either fall or spring. What, t- what time did you say you were going? September. So I guess that's their spring. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're totally okay. fine with that. Yeah, that's a good time. You have the GPX track. And I mean, we're we're familiar with following that kind of thing. But we also read that it's not like uh, there is 
a single Drakensberg trek that you just get on it. It's a nice paved, not paved, but you know, well-maintained trail. So maybe there's some route finding, which may be okay. Maybe we're just not sure how to think about the actual trail conditions. Yeah, that's a great question. So the rumors that you've read are true. There is a bit of route finding, but it's very easy if you have a GPS. And and but I would have a backup, uh, a map maybe um, to to bring along with you that you can follow along. Again, from safety perspective, if what if they steal your GPS, you can mm. beg them and say, "Hey, can I keep my fucking map at least?" And and that way, and then always every day, kind of you know compare the GPS and make sure you know where you are on the map. So just so you know how to exit when you do, if you ever do need to go, and not just because you're going to get robbed but also because you know what if sam breaks you know his leg or something like that and then you got to haul his little butt out (laughs) um so those are things that you uh want to might want to do but anyway to terrain wise it's really easy um there's not a ton of vegetation there's not a ton of trees and that block so you have these huge line of sights usually yeah you can see this big vista so unless it's super foggy or if you're hiking at night unless you're doing that in general, you're going to be able to see far away, which makes navigation really, really easy. Um, whether, even if you don't have a GPS, even if you just, I assume you guys know how to navigate without a GPS depends on the region, but you, you might, you'll probably see somebody, uh, at least one or two people every day. You know, you'll, you'll bump into people and the terrain itself. It's not like you're going to be going down craggy mountaintops and like descending down or ascending these steep, steep stuff. It's all pretty smooth and rolling Hills and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, and you will find plenty of animal tracks and game tracks that you can kind of follow for a little bit, but don't get seduced by them because sometimes they could lead you astray. So always make sure to check your GPS every 15 minutes or so to just make sure you're not veering off course. Something was called like the Grand Traverse, I think, which is, I don't know, that was how 130 miles, 150 miles. It's like most of it or whatever. Is right. that, is, and it, it also includes a bunch of the, uh, peaks like along the way. So I think yes. some people like doing, is that the thing you did? Yeah, I did the Grand Traverse. Yeah. It's about 200 kilometers or so 205, I think it is. Um, okay. and so about, about what you said in mileage. Um, the other thing I might want to do if you have extra time is to do the tallest mountain of, I think if I remember correctly, it goes over the tallest mountain of South Africa and nearby is the tallest mountain of Lesotho, which is even higher. So why don't you just GPS those two waypoints of the tallest mountain of Lesotho so you can have bragging rights and say, hey, I went over those two tall mountains. And was any of it technical? No, nothing. It's super, it's just walking. It's just walking. If you've done, yeah, it's it's super easy. You guys, I've seen what you've done, Brad. You can easily handle the Drakensberg Traverse. And Sam, uh, you know, you may not be as cool as Brad, but... (laughs) Never. I aspire to be cooler than Brad, or even to match his coolness. Exactly. Uh, What about what about like must see landmarks along the route? Is there anything that sticks out in your mind? Put in the show notes, and I'll send it to you guys afterwards on an email. But there's this place where we camped low, and you kind of go up, and it's this high point. And you don't really need to go there because you could easily just walk by that high point. But I thought that was cool. It's, it'll take you an extra hour or something like that to, you know, like 30 minutes, you know, 45 minutes to go up and 15 minutes to come down, something like that. But it's worth it because it's, it's a beautiful high point. If the weather's good and, and the visibility is good, I would take it. But I, I can't, I'm blanking out on the name of that high point. And like I mentioned earlier, the two high points of South Africa and Lesotho would also be places that I wouldn't want to miss. Right. 
Right. So it looks like when I, and I, I'm, we're still kind of in our early research phase, but it looks like, you know, you're, if you have the, the path that just kind of goes north, south, um, it appears that there's maybe five or six uh, entry points or kind of major places that, you know, people go in and out. So we're not going to do the whole thing just because 200 kilometers is a little longer than we have planned for this. So if I, I'm assuming we just kind of take a section out of it and say, we're going to start here, exit here. Any, I mean, I don't know, any thoughts? Yeah, that's cool. I would start with Sentinel and then it's a great yeah. starting point. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's easy to get to. I mean, relatively easy. And yeah, that's what I would do and just go from there and then go as far as you can. How many days do you have, Brad? I, we normally do five to seven days. Okay. So, you know, we have something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'd be pushing it to do all, you could do it in seven days, the whole thing. Um, yeah, you could, but I don't know what kind of, how, how much you want to kill yourselves. Yeah, we generally get can get somewhere between 12 and 18 miles a day. Generally, yeah, it's generally how far we go. 18 is a long day. We carry a lot of stuff. We like to do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of as stuff. Far as, as far as we can tell, Francis, we're, we we're not really uh, disciples of your uh, uh, yeah minimalist. Yeah. Francis is a minimalist. Yeah, yeah. We, we are maximalists. <laughs> we have some very nice chairs that we bring <laughs> as an example. Oh, by the way, speaking about chairs and just comfort, uh, there are a few, uh, there was at least one place, if not maybe two, but certainly I found a a hut. I remember one night we spent in like a, it was a, a jumble of rocks. I mean, a small little hut made out of rocks and we stayed there the night, you know, we get there and it's a place where shepherds go either when the storm is, when there's a storm going on or they can cook a meal. They generally speaking, don't sleep there. Um, so I, I, I thought that maybe in the middle of the night, somebody would just come home and like make and say, what the fuck are you doing in my house? Right. Um, but, <laughs> but it looked like more like a shack, you know, that people use just to kind of like, like a shelter. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, that was it. Uh, one time we did get lost on Drakensberg Traverse. We went and we literally were cliffed out. All of a sudden we just walked and walked. The storm was really strong. It was raining really hard and quite cold. And there was a lot of um, uh, fog. So the visibility was terrible. And we just walked to the point where all of a sudden we just came below and uh, like a cliff just dropped. And I was like, uh-oh, we're not going the right way. And then mm. we, and then, but the, the wind were so ferocious, especially right there that we just had to huddle by a rock for about 10 minutes. And we realized this wind is not going to stop. It's not going to abate at all. We have to just keep going. So we just sucked it up and just pushed through the wind for about an hour. And finally we, we camped because sunset was coming. Anyway, what other questions do you guys have? Uh, oh, uh, just le a good logistics thing. Um, from what I can tell, it looks like the Johannesburg airport's about maybe four-ish hours by car from Sentinel. I mean, I guess one would one option be we get the equivalent of an Uber or uh, arrange transport to Sentinel. Then we have a, we, we do have a sat phone, so we'd be able to maybe coordinate a pickup or I mean. How do you, any suggestions on how we make that stuff work? You shouldn't have a problem, but I would have to research it. I don't know off the top of my head a solution on how to do it, but I'm I'm 100% confident it can be done. Okay, Francis, how plentiful is water along? Oh yeah, the route. Good question. Um, it's pretty plentiful. I mean, it's I would I would uh, I don't remember ever struggling to find water or you know being short on water. So 
yeah, I think you'll be fine. And you're going to be going in the spring. So, you know, you're going to, it'll, it'll be, it'll be nice time runoff. to go and you yeah. get a lot of runoff and snow melt or if there is any snow left. Okay. So you should be fine. Um, water wise, okay. it's definitely not a desert, but it runoff. is, you're on a high point, And so it's not like there's a ton of water sources, but realize that there's also a lot of cows there. And so you definitely want to purify the water. What about Starbucks? Are there any Starbucks? Yes, yeah. there's plenty of them. Um, about every ten miles. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there's, a, there's one thing we don't have to carry, Brad. <laughs> That's right. Leave your coffee behind, Brad. Coffee grounds. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Good. Helpful for for me to hear from someone who's actually done it before. When we want to hike in the United States as as U.S. citizens, it's kind of we feel more comfortable. It's our, our it's, it's our country. Um, it's right. always a little bit more exotic when you go to another country. Okay. Another great trek that you might want to add to your list of 40 things to do, Brad, is to add um, the high Atlas Mountains of Morocco. It's also a trek. Huh? Yeah. On the list. It's on Oh, there. perfect. Yeah. So I did that. I, it's, uh, I did the whole thing. It's about two weeks or so to go from where the high Atlas starts and goes all the way to the sea. And it's, it's another fabulous route. I didn't have any problems. In fact, I ran into some uh, local um, people along the way who live in the mountains, and the, the road is pretty much inaccessible to get there. And, and they invited me to their home. They fed me. It was so nice. It's just to meet wow. these people who are living full-time out in the middle, up, uh, up in the mountains. Uh, it's, yeah. just, uh, it's remarkable. So definitely one another uh, long-distance trail. The Madagascar was interesting, a long-distance trail. Um, and yeah, uh, Drakensberg. Drakensberg is a great choice. So I, I'm, I, I'm totally uh, encouraging you to go. Don't worry about the safety stuff. Keep somewhat alert, but don't, don't let it overwhelm. Don't let it detract away from the enjoyment. We'll, we'll set up uh, another one of these things for the Atlas Mountains in a, in yeah. a year or two. Excellent. I love it. All right. Cool, guys. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel technology and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.